Hey, it's Damian Barling reminding you to check out the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network for all of your Sacramento Kings news and notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Damian Barling, and you can follow us at Hoop Ball Kings. Don't miss a single episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We are short on time today, so we're going to pick up where we left off on yesterday's podcast, which is finally now creating our actual list for those of us who plan on partaking of the resumption NBA season in some sort of Roto or Points League format. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. A big thank you, as always, to our buddies over at Dash Radio, the Nothing But Net Network, for putting us out there every single day. I know they've got some pretty cool stuff going on over there, partnership with the uh, 2K Sports Network. Indeed, many of you are listening to us on Dash, so hello to you out there. I haven't said hi to you guys too often, and I should... You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can check out HoopBall at hoop-ball.com. As we start now to look towards the future here, we're coming down the chute. It's Wednesday, July 1st. Free agency did not happen this year, but we are 29 days away from the NBA season coming back. I do think it does. I maintain a measure of optimism about whether or not we're actually going to get this NBA season in. The amount of testing that they've secured should be able to slam a lid on stuff before things get out of hand. Should being the operative word there. We shall see. A lot of interviews taking place across the NBA today. Not as not a ton of news related to it, but... I know Kemba Walker and Brad Stevens have talked for the Celtics. I guess everybody's going from those clubs. Rick Carlisle in the middle of a, an interview as we're doing this podcast. Brett Brown earlier this morning talking about Ben Simmons being at full strength. So he'll be playing his normal allotment of minutes. It's an interesting twist a little bit with a bunch of guys that were banged up getting healthy. Those guys all come back, and then eight teams are gone, so you have to make your your rank list accordingly. Spent a lot of time on yesterday's podcast talking about uh, what to do with all of this these COVID results, and maybe the best news or the best advice I could have given on yesterday's show, instead of talking through the whole thing, is just wait. Because with all things in this day and age, if we just wait five seconds... Someone will just start talking about something else. But I thought it was worth discussing, and I'm not, uh, I, I don't have any regrets that we did. In yesterday's show, we effectively got through what I would call a pretty safe top six for this resumption draft. You could maybe go as far as top 10, but I have a sneaking suspicion we might move some of those names around a little bit as we start to. Now funnel in additional players. And this is not the way that I would normally make a rank list. 
But to me, this is the simplest way to do it because I will say it again. I'll say it at the front end of almost every podcast these days. We are not ranking players based on what we think they will do for an upcoming season under usually some sort of new circumstances. It's not the case with every team every year. Sometimes there's crazy consistency, like the Nuggets were super consistent year over year. Trying to think of some other examples of teams that had almost no roster churn. But if there's somebody that comes in and somebody that goes out, the beginning of the season, the the actual, the normal fantasy draft we all have in October is about figuring out what players are going to do. This resumption draft is about figuring out when they're going to do it. We are making our adjustments based almost exclusively on how many games we think these guys are going to play. We know what they're going to do in their current team setups. That's what the rank list is. That's what the data from the first 65 games of this year is. That data says this is what this guy is doing and going to do this year. Your job, fantasy enthusiast, is to figure out how many times out of eight he's going to do it. And then obviously some very small adjustments from there. So what we're going to do today, well, first I want to give you guys what we had what we had gotten through on yesterday's podcast, if you hadn't tuned in for that one, and then we'll start to add names to the list and we'll plug them in, probably, mostly in the order that they were given, but we might make some adjustments here based on, again, how many games we think these guys are playing. So yesterday, we covered the top 12, 13, 14, top 14 names from the regular season, but four of those players are either a clear not going to be inside the top 10, looking at you, Hassan Whiteside, or not going. John Collins, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, not going to be there. That left us, of those top 14, with 10 players inside the top 10, right? That makes sense. James Harden, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, Bradley Beal. That was the order that we had them in uh, at the end of yesterday's show, there there could be an argument to be made for the LeBron, Beal, Paul, Butler contingent, but that's where we're going to set them right now. The next names on the actual rank list from this season, how, where it where guys actually finished the year, Joel Embiid finished at 15, Jonathan Isaac at 16. We're going to go through about the next 15 names here. Trey Young at 17. Nikola Vucevic at 18, Kyle Lowry. Giannis Antetokounmpo was number 20. Yeek. DeAndre Ayton at 21. Chris Middleton, 22. Kristaps Porzingis, 23. Then Luka Doncic, his teammate, at 24. And the next five, Freddie Van Vliet at 25. LaMarcus Aldridge, Clint Capella, Andre Drummond, and Brandon Ingram. And one thing that you notice, and I guess we could go as far as Paul George, who was uh, number 30 going into the break the layoff, whatever you want to call it. One thing that you might notice, as I said, these names, is that the first chunk of names uh, had one player that we know for sure is not going. That's Trey Young. And then there's a run of guys that are actually going to be there. And then there's a couple of guys towards the end of that chunk that are also not going to be there. What does that tell us? Well, 
this is why the you assume roughly 27%, 8 out of 30, of the players in front of any of these guys is not going to be there when we're making our ranking adjustments, but it tends to go in small grouping. So there'll be there'll be some spots where it's going to be a little bit less than that and some spots where it's a little bit more. That's all. So the first thing we do as we look at these next, I guess it ended up being uh, 16 or 17 names instead of 15 because screw it, we'll get to a nice round number like Paul George at 30, is that Trey Young is gone. So wipe him out. The the, uh, 17th ranked guy will not be there and you can adjust everybody behind him up by one spot. Jonathan Isaac, I'm going to leave on the list, but I, I we don't know whether or not he's going to play. If he plays, it seems like he could actually be decent, right? Like we, it, it, I, I don't know what sort of restrictions there would be. The fact that he's going and he's questionable leads me to believe that if he did play, it wouldn't be 30 minutes a ball game, but we'll leave him on our list, but we're going to put him down there in the uh, Hassan Whiteside <laughs> grouping territory of even if he does play, it's not going to be where he was before. So pull him out of that top contingent. And then you've got a run of guys that are actually going to be there. Nikola Vucevic, Kyle Lowry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Middleton, Kristaps Porzingis, Luka Doncic, Freddie Van Vliet. All of those guys are traveling. Now, we don't know, you know, there's they're the obvious assessments of, hey, how many games is a Phoenix Sun really going to play? So that would hurt Aiton. What about the Bucks, Middleton, and Giannis, both in that chunk? They could clinch the one spot in the first two games of this resumption, so I don't know how many games and or minutes those two guys are going to play, but for all intents and purposes, they are there, so we'll make our tweaks after the fact. LaMarcus Aldridge, Clint Capella, Andre Drummond, right in a row, all not going surgery, and then two teams that are not invited. So that now moves everybody up three more spots behind them. And so all of a sudden, when we make these adjustments to the numbers here, this is actually really important, and this is why it's kind of throwing us all for a loop. Once you make these adjustments, you find that there's these weird... I'm trying to think of the right word for it. There, Because of the way that the, the players that aren't going are grouped, there are almost spots where you see guys jump way above where you'd expect them to be and other spots where it's not quite so severe. For instance, Freddie Van Vliet, who was sort of the last name in that run of guys that was actually going to be playing, he would be 19 instead of 25. All right. Okay. I suppose that's fair. 27% of 25 is 7 so he should have been 18, and instead he's 19. So he's actually a tiny bit behind where you would have expected him to move with eight teams missing. And then the guy right behind him in our new rank list, Brandon Ingram, is number 20 instead of 29. So that's a situation where 29, we should have only been losing eight names in front, and instead we lost nine. So he's actually one click in front of where averages, again, eight teams out of 32, would have put him. So you'll notice some of these guys make bigger leaps than others, but overall, the key element to remember here is that these names are going to come off the board way earlier than we expect, and part of the goal of this exercise, in addition to actually having a, a relatively firm rank list going in, 
is to sort of be ready for the fact that a guy that we've always considered, I mean, think about, uh, wow, I don't know. In the, in the example of the players we've talked about so far, think about a guy like Chris Middleton. You know, he wasn't going in the 20s. I don't even think he was going in the 30s in a lot of drafts. He was 40s and 50s this year, and then he finished at 22, and you're like, okay, well, maybe somebody does take him a little bit behind that, por- that mark, 24, 25, 26. As you look towards next year's draft, where do we think Chris Middleton's going to go? Probably not as early as 22. And here he is in the resumption. If nothing changed at all, he would be number 16. That's if nothing changed. Again, he's in a situation where he's probably not going to play all eight ball games, or at least not high minutes all eight games. But just from a, hey, you know, look at these player names, you don't expect these guys to go where they're going to come off the board. We have to be ready for the fact that guys are going to be going way earlier than expected. Luka Doncic, yeah, he's probably going to go earlier than that because of name value, but... I mean, think about some of this stuff. Freddie Van Fleet, do we actually think he's going to go at 19? I doubt it. But that's where he would have been this year if you pull out the six guys in front of him. This stuff, I think, is going to catch a lot of people by surprise, and that's where we can get our leg up during this resumption because, frankly, there just isn't a ton of time to make pickups and drops. Most of the guys that are going to slot in as players start to take games off, we should be targeting in our... 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, so on, round of the draft. So let's start slotting guys into actual spots now in our rank list. I will note, by the way, that this is not actually super easy to do on a podcast. This is actually one of those very rare times where I'm looking at what I've done on my computer in front of my face. Um, and I'm thinking, how the hell do I explain how we work our way through this where you can't have, like, written notes that I can pass along to you guys. But we're going to do our best. So uh, let's see what we got here. So Joel Embiid would have been the next guy on the list behind our top 10 from yesterday. And based on what we know about his health and the fact that the Sixers, I, I you know, they strike me as the kind of team, I thought they were going to have something to prove during the regular season this year, but maybe they're the kind of team that now just has something to prove during the playoffs. I'd be very surprised if Embiid played in all eight of these ball games. It's also worth noting that he was, on a per-game basis, really, really close to Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and LeBron and even Bradley Beal this last year, although worth noting that Beal was sort of on the rise LeBron, Tatum, Butler, Paul, those guys, and Embiid were all kind of uh, just floating along at their normal clip. So if we expect Joel Embiid to play at the clip he was going before, and we also expect him to probably miss one to two games, I think what I'm going to do for now is just kind of leave him where he is. We'll make our adjustments here later if we need to. Three slots back now, uh, Nikola Vucevic who finished at 18, again, not that far behind Embiid, just on a, a cup, the per-game throttle of what everybody was doing, but he played 10 more games than Embiid did this year. And for Orlando, we know they desperately want to avoid the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. I would expect Vooch to play at least one game more 
than Joel Embiid during this resumption season. So as I start to build my list now, I'm going to put Vooch in front of Embiid just for now. And I, I don't see that changing. And we'll see if anybody else slots in in between those two guys. So this is, again, not super easy to do without a notepad that I can show you guys as we're talking about it. But this is the process. This is the flow chart that we're using to get to our rank list. By the way, it's also worth noting, keep the side names nearby. Like, at what point do we pop Hassan Whiteside back onto the chart? Not yet, by the way. The answer to that question is not yet. The next guy on the original list would have been Kyle Lowry, who finished at 19 and played in 52 ball games. And I know Toronto is going to do something dumb like play him big minutes in these games. But I also trust Toronto to do not as dumb a stuff and maybe give him a game or two off. So we're going to leave Lowry where he is just for the moment, and we'll continue forward. We may make adjustments later as we slot guys in between other players. Giannis is the next name on the list. Oh, gosh. I mean, my my disdain for Giannis, and it's not even fair to call it that, um, is has, be, has taken on a, a life of its own here. I don't disdain Giannis, and to quote Scrubs, I deign Giannis. I have no problem with the dude. He's unbelievable. He's one of the most fun players in the NBA to watch. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, a block, one and a half three-pointers now, 55% high volume from the field. He's just, he's an unbelievable boulder tied to your free throw percent that it's tough to know how that's going to look during an eight-game resumption. The thing that I'm looking at with Giannis is why in blazes would Milwaukee ever play this dude in all eight of these ballgames. There's absolutely positively no reason to do it. They are a game and a half away from clinching the number one seed, and at that point, he should be playing no more than 20 to 24 minutes a ball game, if at all. I mean, you might see him alternate games from that point forward. You don't need to play every single day. They've got plenty of chemistry. It's At this point, it's about getting these guys in the right shape, keeping them healthy. So I'd be frankly surprised if Giannis played more than six of these eight games in any capacity, and then it's conceivable that another three of those he might go at at 60 to 70%. So I'm going to keep him where he is here, but I reserve the right to actually move him lower. The next name on the list is DeAndre Ayton who is another risk for shutting her down. Phoenix has almost no business being in attendance at this thing, but, you know, they've got some fun young guys, so the NBA wanted to include them. There's six games back of the Grizzlies. The Spurs, the Kings, the Pels, the Blazers are all in between the Suns and Memphis. Frankly, I haven't looked at the schedule, but I'd be surprised if mathematically they had any chance to get there. It seems like the teams in front of them have to play one another at some point, which means one of those teams has to win that game. The Grizzlies, or the Suns, I should say, the Suns' hope at this point is that the Grizzlies win. That is, they basically stay close to where they're at. They lose just enough games for the Suns to get within three games of them, which they're six back, so that would be three. Phoenix has to go a perfect 8-0. The Grizzlies go 5-3, and three, only losing games to teams in front of them or in the Eastern Conference, in the standings. The Blazers, the Pels, the Kings, the Spurs lose all eight of their games, except 
Sometimes they might have to play each other, in which case they split those 50-50. I think that's the only way the Suns have any... So it's not happening. Safe to say that if the Blazers, the Pels, the Kings, or the Spurs win basically three of these eight games, it's over. Any of them. Do we think DeAndre Ayton's going to play eight of these ball games? I would say no. But there is one little caveat. First of all, teams and players sometimes do stupid stuff. Playing DeAndre Ayton all eight of these games and going 30 to 33 minutes a night would be stupid. Be downright stupid. It's risking his future in a situation where there is no value in the present. The value in the present for this team is just getting guys out on the court, getting minutes together, getting better, and an experience in some sort of weird parallel universe playoff chase. Is that enough to get him out there for all eight? I I think I have to believe the Suns are smart enough to say the answer to that is no. Do I think that means he's going to play in like three games and then shut it down? No, I don't think he's going to go all the way to Orlando, train all the way up to get to play, and then go in three and then quit. So that's the other side of it. Like, these guys are going through a lot. It's already started. They're going through a month of training camp, basically, to get to these eight games. Phoenix knows there's nothing beyond those eight So he may lobby to play some more because they've had to go through so much for this little two-and-a-half-week stretch. I'm going to keep DeAndre Ayton where he's at. I'm actually considering moving him in front of Kyle Lowry and Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I realize is completely bat-bleep crazy. But right now, I think there's a higher probability that Ayton plays through the eight-game resumption Because, also, by the way, he missed 35 games this year. There's a guy, I think, who wants to get on the court and play. It's so much work to get to this thing. The the reason that you look at teams like the Bucks, the Raptors, and say, well, these guys should probably shut it down five, six games in is because there is something on the other side of those eight games for them, and that's the playoffs. For the Suns, there's the opposite argument happening. There's nothing after those eight games If you're going to train up and go all the way to Orlando and go through the whole process, either don't play at all or just play. So maybe we find out in three weeks that DeAndre Ayton is traveling to Orlando, but they don't expect him to take the court. It's a possibility, in which case, you know, don't draft him. Easy enough. Next name on the list is Chris Middleton, and he's going to get a significant bump down because, again, there's just... There's no way that he is going to play through these eight ball games. I'm going to leave him where he is for now because we haven't done anybody behind him that we can slot in front, but look, we're going to slot somebody in front of him. That's almost a guarantee. And they're coming. The guys that we're slotting in front of him are not far off. In fact, the next guy on the list, Kristaps Porzingis, probably deserves to be way higher up on this chart. He finished this season at number 23, He would be number 17 if you remove the six players in front of him that are not back for the resumption season. And then most importantly, Porzingis was inside the top 10 for the last two months of the regular season and inside the top five for about a month-long stretch in there. This dude is a stud, and he got healthy partway through the year. Average 22 points, 10 rebounds, over two blocks a game. He went bananas 
at the very end. He was number three the last, uh, I think it was about three weeks. 23, 11, and three blocks. I don't think we can expect those kinds of numbers during the resumption season, but he's good. And we saw just how good in that Dallas offense. So Porzingis, on a Dallas team, and mind you, they, they'll go a little bit gentle with him. I have to admit, need to do a tiny bit more research. I didn't see if the Mavericks have a back-to-back during this resumption season, but if they do, you ain't playing in it. And I would guess Porzingis takes one game off out of the eight. Mavs actually have a lot to play for right now. I don't think they want to deal with the Clippers in the first round. I'm sure they'd prefer to get into that middle, that creamy middle in the Western Conference where then they can sort of work their way through a Nuggets or a Jazz or a Thunder or a Rockets. These teams are a little bit more palatable than Lakers-Clippers. So look for the Mavericks to try to win here during this resumption season, not because of anybody chasing them down, but because the seventh seed is unenviable when you're close enough to the five and six and even the four to make a pretty good push at it. Seven games out of Porzingis elevates him in a way that not a lot of guys we've talked about so far today can move up the chart. I would strongly consider Porzingis in that 10, 11, 12 range. And we might readjust things a little bit later. But for now, I'm going to put him... I'm going to put him at 12 behind Vooch. And that's going to bump everybody else down. So Embiid now goes to 13, Lowry to 14, Giannis, Aiton. You guys get the picture. And we may tweak this a little bit later on. But again, I had to take this all apart to put it back together to do on the podcast. (laughs) There's a lot of... There's a lot of words flying across a sheet right now. I'm doing my very best here. Luka Doncic was the next name on the original list at uh, whatever the hell he was, 20, 25, 24, 25. It doesn't matter. He would be 18 if you remove the players in front of him. So Luka going uh, from 24 to 18. Luka's an interesting case study because he's almost definitely going to get drafted well before 24 or 18 because of how good he was the first three months of this season. But he was really bad the last two months. Like, he's barely on the list of players you'd want in an early round. He was 73. While averaging 28, 8, and 8 with three three three-pointers, somehow he was outside the top 70. And I'll tell you how that somehow works. It's because his high-volume field goal percent was a drag. His very high-volume free-throw percent was a massive drag, and four turnovers a game was a drag. He had three big negatives. We saw Luka at the beginning of the year hit his free-throws and his shots. And so there is that built-in possibility that in an eight-game sprint, he could come out, maybe he's rusty, but maybe he's just healthy. Maybe he was getting tired and banged up, and we were seeing the fatigue setting in over the course of a season. The shots weren't falling as well. The free throws weren't falling as well. The turnovers are going to be high regardless because, you know, he does everything for that team. They're always going to be around four. I mean, this is a guy that was shooting about 48 49% first two months of the year and about 80% at the free throw line those two months. And then it just all fell off a cliff. So the question is, which one is the real Luka? And the answer is, we don't really know. 
He's one of the few guys in this group that has a lot of volatility in his fantasy game, uh, among the early players at least. So um, from a ranking standpoint, I think you just assume that he kind of is this guy. But I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have him than Chris, than, uh, Chris Middleton. Looking at names on the list, I'd rather have Luka than DeAndre Ayton, who probably won't play most of this thing, but we don't know. I'd probably rather have him than Giannis, who I think will probably... I mean, they're very similar fantasy stat sets, why they were both struggling for stretches during the year. Giannis can do a bit more defensively, and his field goal percent is better. But I also think he's only playing four or five of these games. Kyle Lowry probably shouldn't play all eight games. Embiid probably shouldn't play all eight games. And then you look at Luka, and he actually might. I'd say there's a pretty reasonable chance that Dallas gives him one game off, but then with the potential, well, I mean, there's the potential to kind of sink your team if he's horrible at the free throw line, but this is such a, uh, such a sprint, these eight games. Almost anybody having a bad free throw game or two could sink your free throw percent. It's very weird. We're in uncharted territory. There's no opportunity for your team to bounce back if a couple even normally good foul shooters have off games. Like, what if Chris Paul has two games in a row where he goes five for eight at the free throw line? He's not going to get up to his normal 90, 91% there. It's just the magic of small sample sizes. So when you look at the players on this list, I'd be tempted to put Luka up in that uh, 10 to 14 range with Porzingis and potentially ahead of Joel Embiid. Because of the potential to play in all of those games, he deserves a bump up the list where these other guys get shuttled down. And this is why, again, this is hard to do without the numbers in front of you because it's easy to lose track of this stuff. So now we've slotted in Porzingis and Doncic ahead of the guys I think are going to take a bunch of games off. They're now at 12 and 13 on our list. Embiid, Lowry, Giannis, Ayton, and Middleton slot in behind them. Okay, we're getting towards the end of today's grouping, which is good because uh, I promised you guys a slightly shorter show today, and frankly, it does need to be because low on childcare. Freddie Van Vliet, who was 19 pre-reset, and I'm just going to happily flip him in there because he's, I don't think, any more prone to playing all of these games than generally the guys in front of him. I don't think I'd give the Raptors a big games played edge over the other teams. They have a pretty good cushion. Three games over the Celtics behind them so they can get things wrapped up in the first five to six. Uh, And if they do, if the Celtics lose any of those games, the Raptors open up any space at all, then they might not have to play their way all the way to the end. Presumably, they should get at least one game off Toronto and there's a possibility of two, which maybe makes him a little bit more viable then say Chris Middleton, but Toronto's also going to be healthy, and we saw Van Fleet did fall back towards more of a 40-ish type valuation when everyone was around on that team. So I'm going to leave him where he's at for now, and we'll deal with the other players around him eventually. Brandon Ingram is a player I think we can put on our list of guys that's probably not going to be where he was before. Yes, without the players in front of him, he bumps from 29 to 20 if this was still the regular season, But we saw what Ingram was when the Pelicans were fully healthy, meaning Zion was in the mix, 
and the outlook was not as pretty. He was outside the top 60, still got 17 shots a game, but his percentages were down. Uh, field goal, in particular, was down. Still managed to get 1.1 steals and 2.5 and three-pointers, but that field goal percent is everything, and usage is everything. Usage goes down, value goes down, he won't be where he was before. So take him temporarily off our list of players. And finally, Paul George, who I think if we didn't have this resumption season, might have ended up being one of the biggest values in fantasy next year. I do think there's a very real chance he plays well during this resumption campaign and rebuilds some of the fantasy value that folks thought he had lost while finishing at number 30 this year. For Giorgio, he was only playing 29 minutes a game this season because he never really got healthy. Uh, he was outside the top 50 over the last couple months because, again, he wasn't playing minutes. He was only 26 minutes over that stretch. He was never himself, and a four-month layoff is, frankly, just what the doctor ordered for someone like that. We know what he can do when he's right. Um, everybody's going to be sort of slowly ramping up together, but I don't think that we have to assume Paul George is in any worse shape than anyone else at this point. All of his little nagging hamstring whatever stuff, and I don't know if that was the result of uh, dealing with the previous injuries, maybe, tried to play too early, who knows? That stuff should all be gone now. I mean, we're four and a half months by the time the season goes removed from the March 11th shutdown. The Paul George, the 1.3 steals, that could be higher. The scoring at 21, that could be higher. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could be on its way up. And and the Clippers are only a game and a half up on the Nuggets. I don't know that they care quite as much. We talked about this before, about the two seed. I think they'd rather have that, perhaps. If you had to guess, you'd say they'd prefer to be in the two or the three and not have to fall back to the four. That would keep them out of the Lakers bracket. The two Western Conference juggernauts wouldn't have to then face each other until the Western Conference finals. But I don't think the Clippers would be that upset if the Nuggets passed them. They're a game and a half back. Jazz are three games back, and just, frankly, not as good. So, yeah, there probably will be a rest day for Paul George in there. But seven games out of Paul George, to me, puts him in front of other, some of these other names we've talked about. Easily in front of Van Vliet and Chris Middleton. I don't think that's even a question mark. And now you look at that next grouping, which is the DeAndre Ayton, Giannis, Lowry, Embiid, Doncic, Porzingis, Vooch contingent, and say, well, is there any way that he plays enough games to get in front of those guys? I think I would say the answer is no to at least the dudes at the top, because I think Vooch could actually play in all eight. Porzingis, Luka, those guys probably play in seven. Embiid, I truly don't know. Seven would be my guess. Lowry, six or seven. Giannis, six. Aiton, big fat question mark. It could be all eight or it could be two. So I think with Paul George, you look at it and you say, well, look, if he's perfect, if he's right, he's a better fantasy player than Kyle Lowry. And so forget where we put everybody else. Let's just assume he plays about the same number of games as Embiid. And Paul George should be basically right next to him. You want to take him in front of him? I'm fine with that. You want to take him behind him? I'm fine with that, too. We'll just put him behind him for now because he's probably going to be easier to get one slot later just based on the way things went during the regular season. So there you have it. That's our effectively our top 20 at this point, minus Hassan Whiteside, Brandon Ingram, and then the question mark that is Jonathan Isaac. Just to recap, 
We added a bunch of names to our list today, finishing up with Paul George. And our top 20 now is Harden, Davis, Jokic, Lillard, Leonard, Tatum, Paul, Butler, LeBron, Beal. Who, again, I could make an argument maybe we should even move some of those guys in front of Bradley Beal. If he's only going to play three or four games, that's still... I'm, I'm still thinking about that one. He was so good, though. I mean, he was number one the last month prior to the shutdown. Number one guy gives you four or five games. That still buys you probably pretty good value at this point. But I reserve the right to bump him down. Uh, Vooch, Porzingis, Doncic, Embiid, George, Lowry, Giannis, Ayton, Middleton, Van Vliet. That's where we're at right now. Um, and again, in all likelihood... Middleton and probably Van Vliet are going to end up behind a couple more guys as we continue to add them in. Next guys, by the way, on the original season list, Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Rashawn Holmes, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam, Rudy Gobert. So there's some pretty interesting ones that uh, might get slotted in. And that's about all we got time for today. I want to remind everybody that, boy, I'm upset I didn't do this earlier. Please, please don't skip it. We partner with Manscaped.com. You guys have heard me talk about it. This is such a huge deal. I am literally begging you to go get something at manscaped.com with coupon code HOOPBALL20. Check out the Lawnmower 3.0 water-resistant technology. Take it in the shower. An LED pointing in the direction of the trimmer so you can see what you're doing. 7,000 RPMs and pinch-free. It's a ceramic blade, so it doesn't, doesn't cut you up. Battery, by the way, lasts 90 minutes. I don't think I've mentioned that on previous ones. But again, look, that's getting into the weeds. HoopBall20 is the coupon code. It's 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get over at manscaped.com. It's just, it's a good company. They do good things. And they're giving us this partnership. They've, they've partnered with HoopBall for what we hope will be a really long time. But a lot of that has to do with what we are able to show them. Let's show them what the hoop ball community can do. So jump on, do it with us. By the way, also recruiting continues. DFS, betting, sales. Hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter or email team hoopball at hoop-ball.com. One quick check before we finish up on any news. And yeah, there was something. Lou Williams sounds like he's probably going to go to Orlando. Uh, Bradley Beal apparently is considering not going to Orlando right now. Well, that would certainly change things a little bit. Said it before, really surprised that all these Wizards are still going. And uh, stay tuned to Hoopball Fantasy if you want to see anything else that's going on in the world of hoops. I'm Dan Vaspers. This has been Fantasy NBA Today, your July 1st edition. 29-day countdown. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Four weeks tomorrow. How about that? This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.